Welcome to the Kevin and Fred Show. My name is Kevin Kaufman. I'm your host. Thank you for joining our podcast today. Hey, real quickly, before we move on, do me a favor. Head over to ratethispodcast.com. That is ratethispodcast.com forward slash NLA, stands for Next Level Agents. And please, please, please leave us a review. There is nothing that you can do that would help us help support this podcast more than that. So go over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash NLA. You can click on the links from there or just go to whatever podcast player you're using and leave us a review. All right. Thanks for listening to today's show. Fred Weaver, welcome back to uh, your your second podcast, officially part two of the How Are We Still in Business Together After 14 Years series. Oh, man, this is either going to be a complete train wreck or we might get somewhere today. I'm not sure where. But anyway. Maybe if, both. If you're listening in, we appreciate the fact that you... Uh, you know, stayed with us through the first podcast episode. So let's pick it right back up, Kevin. We talked about just to bring our listeners back who maybe have had a gap between listening to uh, part one and part two here. We sort of ended last time talking about where did the name group 4610 come from and specifically talked about our drive for Mexican food that lasted three hours. (laughs) One way you said drive, I thought you meant like, you know, the internal drive. No, 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 I meant like physically got in a car, not a Tesla, didn't self-drive itself, spent a lot of money on gas, not as much as you would today and drove from Phoenix to Yuma for lunch. And we kind of hammered out some details and the economics of how we were going to run a business. Again, reminded everybody listening, we were trying to guard against essentially being a terrible partner and or being taken advantage <laughs> of by one. a terrible partner. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I'll just cut right to it. No, that's, I think that's real accurate. So, um, yeah, right. you want to dive into those numbers and kind of what that looks like? Yeah, so here's what we did, Kevin, and, and I, I don't know that everyone should start here, but I do think when people ask, like, why has your partnership worked, I often reflect back to how we economically set it up as being a reason that it has worked. Yeah. And so what we did is we very evenly split expenses. Expenses yeah. looked like an office, my brother, as we mentioned before, who was kind of on, like, deferred comp. My MCI calling card, calling card minutes. right? Like the expenses were small, maybe some lock boxes, maybe some, you know, I don't know, whatever, a couple Those of dues bins to carry the folders, the bins to carry the short sale file folders yeah. around the actual two or $3 short sale file folders. So very small set of expenses, but we agree we we're going to split them 50, 50. Yep. Okay. But then what we did is we said, look, if you generate the listing, Kevin, and I just happen to support you, you should be entitled to more of that money, okay? I should be required to help you as much as humanly possible if we're in a true partnership, but you should you should be rewarded for generating the business, bringing right. in the revenue, so to speak, right? Being the rainmaker, however you want to say that. And I should get a little something for helping. And the opposite is true. If I bring business in from my sphere, my database, my efforts, I should be compensated more than you who's just mainly supporting me. So what we did is right from the beginning, we split expenses 50-50 and we unequally shared the revenue. And we started with the unequal split of 85-15. So if you brought in the piece of business, you kept 85 and I got 15. If I brought it in, I kept 85 and you got 15. You just freak some people out going, what What do you mean 85-15? Yeah, and, and I don't know how, I don't truthfully remember how Dude, we landed on that number. All I remember is we, we talked about it. If I remember correctly, we had a, we had your computer and as we were, we were driving, we were in my FJ at the time. And I remember we literally like, well, okay, here's all the f- listings that Fred already has. Here's all the listings that I had. We And we literally wrote them out, like addresses and all. And like, well, how far along are we with on this? How should we share the income? And we somehow just after going through those decided like, 
hey, 8515 is probably a good number to land on to start. So it created a scenario by which, like, if I didn't go out and get more listings, I still had to pay 50% of the cost for my brother to go support your listings, yep. 50% of the office cost, 50% of the photos, or however we did those back in that day. Um, it, it wasn't going to be an equitable scenario, meaning that I couldn't sit back and live off of you generating business. We simply set the business up so that both of us had to go out and be rainmakers. We both had to create revenue. We both had to bring listing business in and we then split that revenue unequally based on who brought it in. Now on the side, I'll say on the side because it was a much smaller sample at first, we started teaching these short sale classes that we got into last time. And little by little, it certainly wasn't from the first class with the <laughs> one not. person we didn't know that showed up. I don't think it was necessarily from the second class, but somewhere along class three, four, or five, somebody must have said to us, hey, would you guys like negotiate this short sale for me? And I think we said, yes, but negotiation equals we're going to take the listing and negotiate it and we'll pay you a referral fee. Yep. And so then we went well, who generated that business? Are we going to go to the depths of figuring out who invited the person to the class, who most influenced them? Or are we just going to agree that anything we would do out in the public to teach classes together or to receive referrals from somebody based on our results or relationships or whatever would just be considered a 50-50 partnership piece of business? And so again, we had business that we each generated at 85-15 and then business we were generating together at 50-50. But early on, there wasn't a lot of that 50-50 business. Not a whole lot at all the first few months, right? So over time, what happened was like we were both in center. I, I remember, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you distinctly remember like probably monthly, if not quarterly or whatever, not that we had a P&L back then, but we were we would still sort of like compete over who had oh, the most listings. Absolutely. Your common argument was you always had more. My common argument was I always had a higher volume and we both always won our arguments and like it kept us in a position of just continuing. Like we, there was no resentment that showed up. There was no, Kevin's trying to live off of, of my yep. business. Fred's trying to live off of Kevin's business. It was very much, we both went out and we worked to bring business in. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it too is like we were literally both trying to survive and get by. Um, and we were both also very committed to it being a quote unquote fair partnership, or at least I was gonna do my part, you were gonna do your part. We couldn't really control what the other person did, but we weren't going to let us, I wasn't going to let me not holding up the end of the, my end of the bargain be the thing that stopped us and neither, neither were you. Um, and I, I do think that that is the tougher part for a lot of people is they just assume, well, we've got these complementary skill sets and I, I know we'll, we'll talk about that next as far as like division of labor. And so they think, well, we should, maybe it should just be 50-50. And uh, I'm definitely not going to say that other people shouldn't do 50-50, I mean, but dude, it took you and I three full years to get to 50-50. Meaning we went from 85-15 to 75-25. It was like, to... if I remember, it was like more like 80-20, then <laughs> 75-25, and 70-30. What I remember in the back of my head, and I don't know if this is 100% accurate, I remember you and I finally making, making the decision to go, let's just do this 50-50 because it's unfair to the staff to try to have to figure out whose listing it is and who should get paid a little bit more. Because at that point, it was because you and I were being competitive with each other. It wasn't really about we needed to be fair or unfair to each other. It was really more about our desire to compete with the other person. Three years, huh? Yeah. I, well, here's how I remember. It was the same month we finally went out and did that uh, that short sale tour for KW. Remember that class that we wrote and then 
did all the work for them and then still taught 11 of those classes. Yeah, that one. Um, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was the month. Short Sell Mastery Tour. Yeah, Short Sell Mastery, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. That's when That was the month where I was like, maybe we should stop with this and just go 50-50. So let's take a quick step, if you don't mind. It's your podcast. I'm simply a guest. But True. maybe let's take a quick step outside of our own story and talk about why I think it's dangerous to start a partnership just 50-50. This yeah. is my own opinion, okay? Yeah, well, yeah, just, just my own opinion. I think it's dangerous to start a partnership out 50-50 because generally speaking, what you see in most partnerships is one person generates an unequal amount of the revenue to the other person. So one person is more of the rainmaker or lead generator, and they bring a lot of listings in or a lot of revenue or a lot of business or they hire a lot of people that do the business, however you want to look at it. And what inevitably seems to happen, because you and I have been privy to some of these conversations and breakups over the year, people have consulted with us, Quite a few. asked for this story, you know, that wasn't on a podcast before today. And they've, they've, they've said, like, how did you guys, like, guard against this, right? And so what, what we see outside of our story for a minute is that the rainmaker, the one that's generating the majority of the revenue, wakes up one day. And whether this is their direct thought or they indirectly get to this point, they, 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 they have this thought of, I don't need you. You're, you're simply a back office administrative person. You might be highly skilled at it, Mr. and Mrs. Partner of mine, but I also could simply just hire somebody to take your position at 50, 60, 80, 100, I don't care, $1,000 a year salary, and I could stop giving up half of the total revenue of the company, which right. exceeds the salaries I just named off. Right. And that's what I see inherently as the problem with starting out in a 50-50 partnership where both partners don't take some responsibility for generating revenue is that's the wedge that starts to, to, to show up in the partnership that divides them. Yeah, I would say that's the most common wedge that start, starts to divide them. I think the other one that I see pop up, which is, um, and maybe we can get into this more in a, in a minute, which is kind of a difference of vision or a difference of goal and where we're going towards and then it's like, it, the problem is, is no matter what, whether it's the money thing or that, once you kind of see that one problem, if you're unwilling to work through that or get past, find a way to get past it, it doesn't matter. You're just going to see all the other problems and all the other holes that you have in your business. And, you know, if you have a business, you've got holes, you've got problems. I, I don't care who it is. But if you start focusing on those things that are wrong, you're, you're kind of done. You're like, you're toast. Like, one of the things I've always said to people when they ask me, like, okay, how do you make it work? this long, what have you done? I've, obviously, I always tell the story about the money because I think that is so important. But the other thing I tell people is like, I don't know, there's probably a lot of dumb luck in there. And then on top of the luck, you and I probably also made some really good decisions that supported it working out, right? We, we never, I can't remember once ever really fighting over money with you. I, you know, we, we, so we would always go, okay, cool. And we never really fought over, a direction of like, oh, the business needs to do that or do do this or do that. So we definitely did things to support everything staying cohesive. But I think there was probably also a lot of luck. I don't know that you and I have ever said this out loud to each other, but I think while there may be disagreements on day-to-day decisions or whatever it may be, I think the baseline foundational thing that we've always both believed in is that we can go further together than we could apart. For sure. And so even when like, like well, I wouldn't do it that way or I wouldn't write that check or I yep. don't know about that idea that you're so confident about shows up, 
I think the <laughs> baseline still- understanding of like we can still go further together than apart has always been there for us so that I, I've never really sat around and like fumed at night over some decision that you yeah. made that you and I like didn't necessarily both think the exact, you know, I, I just, that's never really showed up. Cause I've, we've, we've always also now another piece on top of that. Again, I think the foundational baseline foundation of our business relationship is like, we can go further together than apart. Yeah. And I, then I, on I top of that, that, you and I have vocalized this before to other people as well is we've always also had this unwritten rule. That's like he who's most passionate about said idea that the other person doesn't see, doesn't think will work doesn't necessarily believe in as much or just doesn't know that it has as high of odds of success as the person who pitched the idea. He who has the idea gets to run with it. Essentially. We've never really stopped the other person from like some from idea. Doing something. Yeah. I mean, now we may have tried to talk each other out of it, <laughs> right. challenge each other from time to time to poke enough holes to go. Yeah, that's not a good idea. But if at the end of the conversation, like we're still like, well, you're more passionate about that than I am. Like, why don't you run with starting a podcast up? I don't think I want to talk on a microphone or on a camera and on a repetitive weekly format anymore. Like we've just ran with it. And like, it doesn't mean that maybe the other person didn't believe in or didn't believe it worked. They just maybe didn't want to be the one that ran with it. So it's also like just taking ownership for our own ideas. Like, uh, I remember a lead generation idea back in the day that I wish still worked today. I'd feel <laughs> even too. better about it that I threw at you and you were like, I have no idea if that's going to work. I'm like, I don't either, but I just feel this thing in my gut that says like, we got to do it. Let's so do it. I took a little bit more of the lead on it initially. Right. Yeah. Like, like, so there's just different, and I'm not trying to point that, that one thing out. There's no, just different I, points in our career where one of us has had an idea that we've ran with over the other one. Well, it doesn't matter if it was like that lead gen idea, which turned out to be, it, I mean, it was your idea. And I was like, ah, man, I don't know. That's, that's hard. There's a lot in there. And you're like, well, I'm going to run with it. You know, as long as you're not strongly put, I was like, okay, you know, go for it. And as soon as we both had evidence, like, oh, we might be onto something. You and I were both now a hundred percent doing that. No different than like you just referenced the podcast. Right. Or, I mean, we could probably sit here and come up with 25 or 30 other things where I also think there's, there's the whole, like, yeah, I don't really want to do that. But I also really like not having to shoulder the entire load myself there's that, like going further together. I think the other piece is, for me anyways, there's always been a high level of trust of like, well, if that doesn't work out, we're just going to stop that doing that anyways. Like, I don't think either one of us are married to how do we get this done? It's always been more about where are we going and can we get there? And if something helps us get there, I don't think you give a shit whose idea it is. I know it's not, I know I don't. Yeah, you're actually, you're helping me point like it. Had we ever done this, not that we even would at this point, because like it's more of unsaid, unwritten, like we just believe these things, even if we can't like clearly write them out right now. But we both believe we can go further together than apart. Right. We also both believe in results speak louder than words. Right. So like you can have an idea, but if at the end of the day, it's either like. Well, if it's trash, then who cares? Yeah, the results aren't there or it's like bringing down the core business or something like that. Like we're always going to call time out on that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, so I think that, you know, those things, and then again, like third, third belief, just being like he who basically has the idea feels most passionate about it more often than not, will take the lead on the idea. Yeah. Cause it's, I mean, again, it's like, cool. Well, I'm going to go see if I can, if there is more there and then one of us will bring it back to the other and go, what do you think now? Like, here's, here's some results or here's some more information. And if it looks good, pretty much always going to find us both pushing in that direction. Yeah. Should we pivot, talk about roles, responsibilities, duties, et cetera? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. This one's a little more challenging. I mean, I'll, I'll say it from my perspective. I think it's challenging to articulate. That's what I'm trying to uh, – thank you. It's yeah. challenging to articulate because 
at the end of the day, early on, I don't think there was a lot of difference in what we did. We both showed up at the office every day. We kind of raced to be there. We did. We made fun of the other person if they, like, weren't there before 8 a.m. or some days 7 or 7.30 a.m. Yep. Um, like, you know. like So it, much, dude, that I remember living in Tempe and having a house that was only a couple miles from the office and remember thinking, what a huge advantage I have now to be able to beat Fred <laughs> to the office, even if it's only by a minute. Like that's how competitive we were about that stuff. I would, I would like literally. This is before we were in Tempe in our offices in Scottsdale. I would like, like I wonder. This is before Google Maps was super accurate too. I, you know, I'd be like, is going down the one hundred and one the best move today, or should I cut through, through the, the reservation? reservation. Yeah. You know, like should I cut through the reservation where the speed limit's slower, but the traffic there's no traffic. <laughs> oh right? my god! Like yeah. so I could get there first. So anyway, like roles and responsibilities. Early on, I think we did all, a lot of the same. We co-taught together. We uh, co-marketed together for the most part. We uh, co-negotiated short sales. Like yep. it, even though we split the income based on who generated the lead, I remember that, at least I think I remember, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we would sometimes, like I would be negotiating on one of your best friend's short sales and you might be negotiating on one of my best friends yep. simply because we both had Wells Fargo's, I had Wells Fargo, more Wells Fargo files and you had more EMC files or something, yep. right? Like it was just about what made the most sense to get the result. And then once in a while we'd throw the file at the other person and say, I'm getting nowhere. Like you, t- you take this one for a couple weeks, right? So it was just a lot of like, Whatever it takes. It was also a lot, like you mentioned financially, if you want to tell a little bit of that story, it's a little bit of an offshoot of duties here in a minute. But like financially, we were both in the same spot. We had to make it work. Neither of us wanted to go get a job. Well, I mean, the easiest way to put it is we're both broke. So like so broke that like I had ran my credit cards up to the max. And so every month when I would make the credit card payment, then I would free up a small balance. So you could remax it. So that I could literally like I remember like writing a check on my credit card statement to you or something. Like, like yeah, like because well, we were lending each other money or I think they call that technically floating. But yeah. whatever. Probably also technically illegal. I have no idea. But yeah, we were absolutely floating each other. The, the point is, is it was tough. And, and so financially, it didn't matter. And I think that that's kind of what I mean by dumb luck. I think we were in a scenario where kind of didn't matter, dude. Our backs were against the wall. And we were going to do whatever we had to do to make it work. And it just so happened, in order to make it work, those same things supported the growth of the partnership. Mm-hmm. Uh, in you know, so, okay, so take that. Like, early on, we did, we literally, like, there was no difference in what I did every day and what you did every day, right? Um, and I remember specifically, I don't know what year it was, but I remember we were interviewing somebody to come work with us, and she was like, we're three or four interviews deep, and she's like, okay, but really, who's in charge? And we're like, what do you, what do you mean? Well, they're like, she said, no, but really, like, who makes the final decision? And we're like, we do. She's like, yeah, I know, but one of you has to have final say so. And I remember she looked at us so weird, like, how, what do you mean you both do? And I don't know that you and I have a good answer for it other than we both knew it. And it was really hard for her and other people to understand. Yeah. Okay. Let's state the obvious right now. I'm definitely more suited for back of the office than you are. And you were definitely more suited for front of the house, like yeah. front of, like than I am. Okay. Yeah. Like that's just the obvious. Now, all that being said, I really think I'm a terrible like EA administrator. It's just that in our relationship, if you are going to ask one of us the to be more organized the than the other, like I'm going to be the one that defaults to it. Right. Yeah. So over time, in some regards, we have divided up a little bit more based on our strengths. But I think what's important to mention is like 
early on, I might have been the one that was helping organize the six parts of the trifold folders for our short sales or something or putting together like a oh, note yeah. sheet and a system that we both followed. But at the end of the day, we were both still doing the same activities, right? Like, again, we both have always generated business. We both have always hired people. How we get there is differently, et cetera. You're much more natural at making relationships with a large group of people. You have, like, way more than Facebook's friend limit if you asked you how many friends you have. Um, so, like, there's just there's different strengths to us. So, yeah, over time, we've, we've kind of settled into different roles where I might default to taking something because I know it's not as much your strength. And at the same token, at the drop of the hat, if you're not here tomorrow, I will come in and record the podcast that needs to be produced and right. put out, and you will step in and answer the questions that our bookkeeper needs to get our books out and our taxes done on time. And I mean, like, just the, that's that's the only way I know how to describe our partnership. Like, yes, we each do have some strength sets, and we do tend to, at this point in time, divide and conquer a little bit more by those strength sets, but it doesn't mean that the other one's incapable of doing the other person's job or has no idea what they do for the most part. Yeah, I think maybe because we, um, I still, this is a strength. I think this is another tip for partnerships is like, out of necessity at first, we shared an office. And so literally I was listening to your conversations all day long and vice versa. And it was because we had to. And it was so we could hear what was going on with the other person's short sale files. And then I think over time, we've just continued to do that because it keeps us in sync. So like to your point, if I wasn't here tomorrow, you would know what to do, come in and vice versa. I had to go do because we're still hearing these conversations. We might very well. And I think this is the part too, that we've grown into a lot is I always give the example. You can send the two of us an email and there's some sort of task or takeaway that has to be completed. It's to the point where you and I don't really even have to talk about it. Like if it's something I know that I should do, I just do it. And if it's something, you know, that it's really in you more in your, your alley, you just do it. We don't even need to tell the other person, Hey, I got it. And if it's somewhere in the middle, it comes down to like who who's available first. Exactly. Like, can you get to this first? I mean, that that really is it. I remember for me the first time really understanding this, and you, you probably, you, maybe you have an earlier experience, but we had this conversation with our coach, and it would have been October, November, December of 14. So we decided like, hey, we think we understand the model we're going to use now. Part of that meant like recruiting. And I remember we had this phone call with our coach, Glenn, and he's like, well, one of you guys has to be the team, effectively team leader in KW language, right? Because that was the context we had. So you got to like start interviewing a lot of agents and hiring a lot of agents, which means one of you has to, one of you has to be able to train and onboard and all that. And I remember you and I like literally didn't even have the conversation. I knew when he said those words, okay, great. I'm really going to have to step up my game on recruiting. You knew probably the same thing. Like I'm going to have to really tighten up this onboarding and training scenario and we didn't even talk to each other i remember telling i went to lunch that day with ryan melville and i told him I and mean, it was right after we got off the call with glenn and i was telling him about it and he looks at me dead in the eye and he goes he goes you you know that's you right you're you're the one that has to recruit i'm like bro trust me i know i'm not happy about it uh and i'm 100 sure that's me because fred's got to do the other thing there that i can't do or, or don't want to do and he's like okay i just wanted to make sure and on the flip side, I'd like to highlight something else. I recall specifically at times where we've traded uh, a job back and forth. Oh, so yeah. like I've maybe led the sales agents on our team because we didn't have another sales manager leader in place or you've led them. And I recall a couple times where it was like, there was one time several years ago when we were still with KW where you were like, 
I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go lead the team because I, I I already know you're burnt out from that. Like so, we've yeah. also had seasons and scenarios where maybe the default person that would be best for that particular fit would be me but you've stepped in to do it because like <laughs> that's the beauty good. of the partnership yeah. is like one of us just is really burnt out on that and doesn't want to do it anymore and so in the interest of we're better off together than we are apart like i'll just pick that up I'll for a season and, and go do that like yeah and i don't know how else to explain that to people but we've i mean there's plenty of other examples i just distinctly remember that one time where you got up and left our office on broadway road in tempe <laughs> and went over to the office on rural where the agents yeah. were and said i'm going to come work out of here for a couple months until we ready the ship, whatever else, blah, blah, blah. And I don't remember what I did at the time, but I took over a few more of our weekly meetings with maybe our out of state agents or whatever it may be. Yeah. I think the thing is at the end of the day, like we can't pinpoint, Oh, this told us that, or we knew part of that just, again, it comes with, okay, we worked together for so long over time. Like part, you just can't force some stuff, right? Some things just literally take time. And I think, partnerships definitely take time there's that initial phase and some smart things you can do along the way and then the rest is like we just gotta have experience i think that our our wives deserve a mention in this episode because, <laughs> or two or three well uh, uh, several not not i mean obviously we're very grateful to both of them for their support but i really brought number one they hated your fj and i i just didn't want to interrupt uh, your story absolutely. earlier so i want to make sure that both trisha and too, amber hear me say that for them your fj was terrible they absolutely hated that car they did so Second, bad secondly though um i don't know which one of them said it maybe it was your wife trisha but one of them at one time or another said you guys basically like share a brain like it's just like how you guys get to the to the answer is from different quadrants of your brain or like you you the pathway to which you arrive at the result or the decision is different but you essentially like share a brain and i think of us behaviorally like i think of uh, you know the ava behavior assessment yeah. right i'll go back in time for some older kw folks that may remember that one um I lead with assertiveness. You lead with impatience. We both like, so like we both want control, but like the way that we want our control is so different. Like you want it done fast and I just want it done like whatever. Right. Like, so it's just, it's fun, but it's, it's, it's interesting because like, again, we sometimes show up almost like the exact same behavior. Even but it comes from a different it place. It comes from a different place, but it sort of drives results the same way. Yeah, that's true. You know, I don't, I don't know if it's true or not, but, I always remembered it, Christy particularly was saying that or something similar of like, you guys are opposite, opposite, opposite corners of the same brain or some, something along mm. those lines. But yeah, I, I mean, credit it to Trish and Amber. Maybe, maybe it was also, Christy, them. So sorry. maybe I have no came idea. up at like a group outing. Who knows where they were talking about us behind yeah. our backs, something like that. No kidding. Yeah. Nonetheless, it's uh, yeah. I, I think that that is a lot of it. I think that's probably because we have similar, Similar values, thought processes, or I should say the thought process is often different, but we've also both been really clear on, hey, we want to go, we effectively want to go to the same place. We have, we have very like goals and desires. And so let's, therefore, I think our decision-making tends to lead us down a very similar path. You said something earlier that we didn't really go too deep on, but the, the comment was around, um, basically how there's a lot of, uh, support there's a lot of comfort that's the word i'm looking for there's a lot of comfort in not running a business alone yeah. and um I, I mean i think like when this podcast releases and you all listen to it next monday i will be at disneyland with my kid and my wife and uh not my favorite place on earth but when you have a five-year-old who loves star wars and avengers like the that's where you go and he loves it, right about. 
Um, so, but I, I think about how, like, I'm excited next week, and you all haven't had any conversation about the repetitive meetings on my calendar, oh, like yeah. having to ask, like, you got them or whatever. I'll probably have a two-minute conversation with you just to ask if I should cancel one thing or you want to take it. But, like, there's a lot of comfort in knowing that I can go on vacation next week and turn it off and the business still runs and there's somebody still there to make decisions. And there's a lot of comfort in going to sleep at night knowing that, like, even in the – especially in the bad times when it was like, well – I'm not gonna fail alone. If we're gonna, if I'm gonna fail, I'm going down with Kevin. Yeah, at, like, least, at least I'm not going down. Like alone. I'm not going yeah. down alone, right? And and like so, I, I don't know. I just think in this day and age of stress and anxiety and worry and all these other things that come with it, like comfort is the word that shows up for me because again, it's like we can go further together than we can alone. To me, that's comforting. I don't know if that's the greatest word ever, but it's just it just man, it makes running and owning a business feel that much better to me and for wow, sure I've said to people before that I haven't said it recently in the last few years but maybe like five or seven years ago I might have said you know we both probably could have our own business and it might be the same size as the one we both run today but at the end of the day I'm still okay splitting the money that we make because like there's a lot of comfort and a lot of joy in running a business and not having it all fall on my shoulders and not feeling the weight of that and being able to work the hours I want to work and take the vacations I want to take yeah. and, and know that there's somebody else that's back there driving my partner. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I, don't, I wouldn't say that any differently. And I, I think that's a true, probably that's probably like, I don't know if we were to interview other guy, other people in the industry or any industry that have business partnerships. Like, I think that would probably be the true sign of a fairly healthy partnership is where For you sure. really feel like, like, like this is good. Like it, it actually does feel good to, you know, like go to bed at night and not have all the stress and the weight on your shoulders. Yeah. And then you and I have entered some other partnerships over the years where we've brought a third or fourth partner in on things outside of group 4610 or outside of, you know, our, our main core business. And I've felt the exact opposite. I, I felt, yeah, I felt like, where's the 85, 15 split in this relationship? Can we bring that back? Yeah. Right. And so I've been reminded over the last few years of just how rare and hard partnerships, you know, truly are and For sure. how much entering them the right way and figuring out how you're going to get out of them. It, should they need to be, you know, gotten out of, uh, how important those conversations are. Yeah. It's, I mean, there's no doubt, like it's hard. Partnerships are hard, whether there's two people or three or four, I would imagine the more you have, the harder it is. You know, I think back to something John Davis taught the two of us when we were working for him in Colorado, which was, you know, when you got an investor group, the minute there's no longer the same vision, kind of shared vision amongst the people it's over like it might take a little while to show up but it's over the minute there's not a shared vision anymore he john was always famous for saying something to the effect of like we're not owners of market centers we're investors in the market center yep. right and the differentiation that language there was like an owner kind of sits back and does nothing but collect a check and an investor they, they like, possess something. They possess something. An investor is a more active role of somebody that's actively involved in the business uh, and seeing it grow, which yeah. I always thought was a pretty big distinguishing piece. Yeah. And if I remember right, it was like that active part, but also in the, this is so good. I'm investing in it. I would like for you to, to have some too. Mm. Right. And so there was, yeah, a whole lot more um, that, that came with that. So I don't know if that's a good jumping off spot for the day. I don't know. Is there a part three to this? I'm not real sure. I'm Let's see either. if we get any questions, follow up. We'll go back to like regular podcast programming for a little bit. And then if we get some I'm questions. Kicked, I'm kicked off? I don't get to come back next week? Uh, definitely not next week. Maybe the week after. We'll see. 
downloads are just the like Kevin's just watching dropping. the ratings are just falling off a cliff right now, and he can't stand it. Speaking of that, if I you wrecked his podcast, if you listen on Spotify, please go to Spotify and give us a rating. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please go there, give us a rating and a review, five stars, please. Thanks for joining us. It's been a pleasure to be a part of this two-part series on the Kevin and Fred Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Kevin and Fred's community at EXP Realty. Learn why over 1,000 real estate agents joined EXP Realty last week. Join us for an informational webinar this Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Register at intro to intro2exprealty.com.